Welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm Jeff Cranson. Welcome again to this week's Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. We're recording this on March 17th, 2022, St. Patrick's Day, and I'm pleased to say that we marked a major milestone in the project to transform the I-375 corridor in Detroit. Yesterday, uh, Governor Whitmer joined Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan and MDOT Director Paul Ajiba and a number of community members who have a vested interest in what happens with this corridor for a roundtable discussion. And first, we're going to hear from the governor and what she had to say at that roundtable. And then I'll be back with Tony Magaldi, who is an HNTB project manager working with MDOT on this project. This is a sad history, right, um, where a community was bisected by a freeway and had devastating impacts. We've got an opportunity. Thankfully, we've got uh, leadership in Washington, D.C., and mayor here in the city of Detroit, and us in state government, we're eager to work together, but we're not going to dictate what this looks like. The community is a critical part of making sure that we do it. We do it right, that it's about equity, and it's about honoring the history of the neighborhoods. One of the things that Director Ajiba mentioned in our roundtable was that MDOT wants to put out an RFP and hire a historian to help inform the work um, that will be presented to the community and getting the full community feedback. But it's got to be informed by the community and it's got to pay honor to Black Bottom and to the, the history of, of the neighborhood and meet the needs of, of people that, that live here. And that's why talking with the community um, Get, making sure it's informed by the community needs and that it honors that history is really important. Okay, once again, as promised, I'm here with Tony Magaldi, who is the project manager for HNTB, the consultant working with MDOT planners and engineers on the transformation of the I-375 corridor. Uh, really history in the making and uh, something that we've talked about before in the podcast, and I, I can't overstate uh how cool I think this is that we're doing it. We can't uh, change history. We can't change what happened in the past, but we can certainly uh, try to make things better going forward. So, Tony, thank you for taking time to be here. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, appreciate the opportunity and uh, St. Patrick's Day. Go green. Happy St. Patrick's Day. So, tell me a little bit about yourself first, uh, you know, your background, how you got into this kind of project planning and uh, working for a major engineering consultant and and how you got into the 375 project. For sure, Jeff. No, I appreciate it again. So a little bit of history, a uh, little experience uh, going down memory lane. I've been with HNTB now for 14 years in a variety of roles. Uh, previously, I had an opportunity working for uh, Michigan Department of Transportation uh, for about 12 years. In, uh, uh, I really started my career in road design in a central office. And so working on projects around the state, uh, working with the public, and trying to determine the best solutions uh, was something that early on in my career I wanted to get experience around. I took I took that experience, uh, was uh, at the Jackson TSC for, for years, really uh, boots on the ground, uh, working with uh, the department and in, 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 in the public down in Jackson. And then in Really, in 2008, um, I came over to HNTB, and ever since then, 
been working on projects such as the M1 rail uh, Woodward reconstruction project that, that took off uh, in 2011, was fully constructed in 2017. And that really uh, was a segue for me and uh, in my career working with uh, the public in downtown Detroit, working with city officials, city of Detroit officials, and starting to build the relationships and really around complex projects uh, in, a, in an urban environment, uh, where in that project was very much started in a uh, environmental phase, similarly to I-375, and uh, right into construction. So there's a lot of parallels uh, between the two. Uh, so that was uh, an opportunity here early on uh, for me to get uh, my feet wet. So in 2017, um, we were successful in the pursuit of an owner's rep pro uh, contract with the Department of Transportation with, with MDOT. And ever since, over the last five years, been very focused around uh, the uh, completing the uh, finding of no significant impact. Uh, Tony, first, can I back you up just a second. Explain to uh, the non-transportation types what what is a, what does it mean to to have an owner's rep? Oh yes. So uh, this project, what what an owner's rep contract really entails is what I like to call soup to nuts, or uh, uh, maybe not cradle gray, but soup to nuts. Let's say it's a it's an opportunity uh, with the owner here in this case, MDOT, to provide resources from, in this case, uh, planning resources, uh, environmental resources, it, it, it provides a backstop and it, and it builds in capacity for the department to deliver on really major, major corridors such as I-375. Uh, we have an opportunity now. It does help with um, shortening the procurement time because we can go right into our next task order, which is uh, right into uh, design efforts. And then depending on procurement, right, there's also uh, opportunities to help the department in in uh, construction as well down the road. But it really does provide the, the department uh, to tap into uh, resources outside the agency and across the country to help deliver a program such as the I-375 uh, corridor. So you talked about the finding of no significant impact, which is, uh, you know, that's that's a milestone. It's something that's required by the Federal Highway Administration on these these kinds of projects, and it, it lets us move forward. But getting to that point, uh, you worked with MDOT officials, obviously in the community. A whole bunch of people who have an interest in this will had their lives affected by the corridor. Um, talk about that process and and the listening that needs to go on and, and how you, you make sure that everybody is, is heard. Yes, uh, so we worked, uh, first of all, uh, just a shout out and a big thank you to John Lurie, the MDOT project manager, Margaret Berendes, the environmental uh, team in Lansing and Rob Morosi uh, and Monica Mazma uh, from communications. We built a strategy, uh, really it was, um, it was a multi-pointed uh, effort. First, right off the get-go, uh, we built uh, what was called a local advisory committee and a government advisory committee. And the intent of those two committees, we, we wanted a representation 
of individuals, uh, business owners, uh, residents, uh, folks along the corridor, just outside the corridor, to to really uh, help help the team, the MDOT HNTB team, to develop an alternative. What I you know taken taken to your point, to your question about listening, taken of all the different aspects of what we heard and help us uh, move the process along to really thread that needle amongst delivering this with the intent of answering the questions based on what was determined in the purpose and need. Um, so the LAC GAC was a conduit to get to a lot of people. Uh, we also uh, enacted what we would call uh, living room conversations, one-on-one -on -one conversations, smaller group conversations to get to, to more individuals and to have more of those intimate conversations around we really wanted to provide uh, an overview of all the alternatives, talk through those in detail, and then also do more more listening. And then, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, what what I'm wondering, what what did you learn along the way? What what really surprised you as you as you heard from the community and as you delved into this and learned more about the history of the corridor and you know the the neighborhoods that were displaced by. By building I-375. Sure, they what we heard the most was we wanted to ensure that first of all we wanted to acknowledge um, what what partake back in you know, when the I-375 was originally constructed in in 1959, completed in, in 1964. We we want to understand okay, acknowledge what what was done and how we can work together as a community. Um, to make to move the needle to make it a little bit better for the next generation, and it, one of the major topics uh, right off the bat with uh, around active transportation was really connecting connecting the neighborhood back together. So doing what we can do to uh, really minimize the pavement area, trying to trying to get get as much of the uh, pavement reduced. Looking at so we you know we had took a very elaborate approach around traffic, uh, trying to uh, we also enacted uh, bicycle lanes, uh, a cycle track, uh, non motorized features throughout the corridor to help facilitate uh, uh, everyday uh, folks. We heard that a lot from Lafayette Park. They wanted to be able to get across uh, the boulevard in a very sa safe manner. So we took a lot of effort and a lot of time to analyze those uh, intersections. We will continue to do so. The other big part of the uh, project and what we heard a lot of is there is an opportunity. Uh, there's about 30 some acres, 31, 32 acres, that is a direct result of the uh, selected alternative now, will be able to be used for some other use. And so how that, that use is, to be determined. We're going to be working with the community, get back and out with the community to listen to them on what what's the vision, what's the land use vision for them ultimately. Uh, what what does right look like for for them to be a part of the conversation? Yeah, and Mayor Duggan talked a little bit about that yesterday and, and what his thoughts are. Let's let's listen to what he had to say. 
What the governor and I are already talking about is some type of authority that's a combined state and city authority uh, that would develop this property. Now, the state has to have responsibility. The federal government holds them accountable as they turn uh, the freeway right away back. But I think we can replicate that process uh, and we can have something that honors the history. It won't look like Hastings Street did, uh, but uh, it'll look uh, like an area that everybody can be proud of. And we want to make sure Detroiters are included in the ownership uh, and the development. And I think we've proven that we can uh, do that. And I think the equity of who participates is just as important as what it looks like. We got to do both those things together. Stay with us. We'll have more on the other side of this important message. Hey, did you see that sign on the side of the road? What about those workers? Are you even paying attention to how you're driving? WorkZone awareness takes all of us. So yeah, Tony, when you talk about that property, I think one of the things that probably surprised me and maybe others that uh, about this is how much land goes into building a freeway. I mean, you're still going to have a decent amount of traffic capacity on the boulevard that replaces this, yet you're going to have that much excess property. I guess that says something about how much property it takes to, to build a freeway. What? Why is that? Yeah, the depressed freeway that was constructed uh, originally, it, it, it was, when you looked at, uh, and I think Mayor Duggan mentioned this yesterday, uh, the depressed freeway and those slopes coming down to the freeway, that takes a lot of right away. Um, the service drives that takes, you know, that took a lot of right away, and the median, um, it all it all adds up. And while we were in our processes of evaluating the different alternatives, we were able to reduce the footprint by looking at leveraging and again uh, working with the city of Detroit hand in hand looking at uh, the interconnections with the city grid and and leveraging the city grid where we were able to reduce the overall lanes um, originally this was going to be a eight lane boulevard um, four lanes northbound four lanes southbound and we were able to reduce that down to six lanes uh, three three northbound three southbound I guess that demonstrates one of the biggest benefits of this in terms of the community, not only the connectivity because you're going to have an at grade road now and present those opportunities for multimodal users, but also uh, how that property is is developed in cooperation between the state and the city and you know the the opportunities that that presents. I mean, this is you know there's been some other freeway conversions in the country, but it's still a relatively, uh, I guess, new concept and kind of unprecedented, certainly unprecedented for Michigan. How do you feel about that, that you're kind of, on one hand, you don't really have a great uh, template to, to go by and you're kind of making it up as you go along, but on the other hand, you're you're doing something truly pioneering. Um, I'm guessing that that feels pretty cool. It is, uh, we, we, do not take this lightly at all. We take, we take this uh, uh, here at HNTB. We take this challenge that uh, we have an opportunity. Yes, to be trailblazers. We we always look for those opportunities where uh, we can really distinct 
our, ourselves in the community, and this is no no different. We have individuals here like Diana Mendez, Regine Babouf, um, helping us with the equity, the diversity, equity, ex inclusion uh, conversation. Uh, we spent almost 12 months here um, really working with FHWA and, and, and MDOT to go back, take a look at acknowledging uh, what what partaked, but also developing and uh, and we're looking to implement uh, an, a uh, community enhancement plan um, along with the land use framework plan that will really be instrumental for the conversations uh, that will be forthcoming later you know, later this year, next year, in the, really the redevelopment of, uh, well, you know, as of today, I-375, but but something different tomorrow. It, it, it'll not be an I-375 no longer. It will be uh, an M-375. Or maybe or ultimately gets turned over to the city and becomes a city street. Sure, you know all those all those questions are. That's the journey that we're going to be uh, really going down the road and um, trying maybe, to determine. Yes. Maybe it becomes Aretha Franklin Boulevard. Absolutely, there you know Hastings. Everything that's going to be a part of that conversation with the community. We're going to have that uh, be a little. You know, we're going to have have the opportunity to to get the community involvement around the naming of of the boulevard. And I'll say this: the one major challenge uh to to this corridor because it is an interstate uh and you know moving a lot of cars this is not there there are some other examples i know there's one in uh, new york folks uh, uh point to and the difference in traffic is is six sevenfold uh and so we needed to not only come up with a solution that will move traffic but also connect the neighborhoods and that's what it, over the last several years trying to work through getting the non-motorized features getting the traffic and, and reconnecting the neighborhoods and the place making that was the all all blended in this approach and and in the selected alternative and now now the work is really going to uh, hit the ground running when we go back out to the community to really look at okay what can we really do to continue to enhance this uh this corridor these really aren't things they taught you in civil engineering school <laughs> you know it's funny you mentioned that uh we were uh it, um sarah Benkowski and i um were able to every uh we've done this now for three years we actually were invited by professor gates at michigan state university uh, to present uh i-375 uh to his class and uh, his highway design class and actually that was one of the questions right is is we talked about active transportation how the how does that interact with the motoring public that's something that they don't typically see a lot of we talked about uh you know we talked about all the all the elements on above the ground but look at all the elements below the ground if that's utilities drainage so those are the type of things that yes and then also being able to communicate uh in a setting in in a public meeting uh working with constituents neighbors uh the community leaders that's something that uh typically a civil engineer doesn't uh, typically uh would have a part of their college engineering curriculum so talk a little bit about that 
that class experience, uh, what what were their curiosities? What kind of questions did they ask about the project? And were any of them familiar with it or was it all pretty new to them? For for the majority, it was fairly new. There was a couple of folks that a uh, couple of the students they have seen and heard about I-375. They really wanted to understand a little bit more about actually the urban planning uh, points of the project. Uh, we went over the traffic, we went over the nuts and bolts of traffic and some of the geometrics, but those softer sides of the project and how we were able to get move the needle uh, forward. And one of the elements and one of the things that we did and what we showcased, and uh, I think it does provide great, great value, is we we developed an animation. So taking, taking uh, what we have done to date on a piece of paper and really bring it to life and the the animation uh the, the 3d modeling that we've done and really showing showcasing what the before and after of of what's out there today and what it will be in the future um they were you know that's something that they have not seen before so they were they were very excited to see that that gaming experience per se that's very cool you think they they all left the class thinking that their jobs is, are going to be uh taking out freeways rather than building them? Well, uh, it's it's uh, you know, we're seeing this across the country. It's getting momentum across the country, working on other projects uh, here locally, looking at doing the same very thing. And uh, again, this is when we started this uh, back in 17 and looking at earlier on than that, we knew that this was going to transform the industry. This is going to be once in a generation opportunity uh, for all parties and just the excitement around it is uh, we're really on a cusp and uh, looking to be uh, really trailblazers to move this forward. Well, thank you, Tony. I'm going to play uh, another soundbite from yesterday's roundtable event uh, when the director spoke to finish this out because um, he, he had, he had uh, some nice remarks that I think summed everything up. But uh, thank you very much for taking time to talk about this and good luck going forward on the project. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate that. As the governor said, I think it's a great opportunity to right some of the wrong of the past and create a, a, a boulevard that everybody will be proud of when it's done. We think it's obviously going to uh, invigorate that, that, that corridor, create economic opportunity, and also connect the neighborhood. And that is what we are trying to achieve with this. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Doubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation.